Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Uh, fucking exhausted. Fucking working out in the cold all day. Big uh, uh, night for Kevin Love, man. You see that? For who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see some of it. Yeah, I saw it when he when he got hot at the end of the first half. That was huge. He needs to keep doing that. I mean, that's one of those that used to happen in high school. That's one of those, don't touch that guy at halftime. Yeah, he did, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, if he doesn't get hot, we, we're looking at double-digit halftime deficit problems. I know, yeah, that's your, that's, your, that's your team, too. You know what I mean? The Magic, Young Magic. Uh, they've been playing yeah. well this year, too. They're getting a huge contribution yeah, got... from Evan Fournier. Yeah, he's playing off the hook. Uh, they need to get Gordon going. They got to figure out. He just doesn't really fit do with what guy. they do. Like, yeah, he, I know. Like he, um, what was I going to say? Uh, J.R. Smith is playing well. Who's that? J.R. Smith. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, had five assists Saturday night, and then I just seen this guy had a block shot tonight. Like, yeah, you know I mean, like he just, yeah. You know, when I see him, I know he can shoot it, yeah, but I see him uh-huh. make another play. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he's taking the ball to the basket, too. He's not taking jump shots with two hands in his face. He's, if When guys are coming out to challenge, he'll put it on the floor, which is the whole key to his game. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to start with the NFL? Sure. Hey, on our Twitter bio, what's going on with uh, just T-U-N? Isn't it T-T-U-N? I mean, it can't be team. I mean, it can't be TCU. Man. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. That team up north, right? Yeah. With a beat team up north, I just see it all the time with TTU, and that's all. Yeah, I don't care. It's not a big deal. Uh-huh. All right. 
This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. NFL Week 12 show. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown Seabus. We're talking National Football League. And we know we want to happy to say we want to say a happy Thanksgiving to all the folks out there. This is where football meets turkey on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, enjoy your mashed potatoes and stuffing and your nap, and then get ready for some football. These games start early on Thanksgiving. Yeah, the Thanksgiving is always it's kind of cool because you got the multiple Thursday games, but at the same time, to me, it always kind of signifies the end of the season is coming and we're running out of football. We're already in week 12. Uh, it doesn't really matter for our beloved Browns. Uh, how many weeks are left? Cause there's only four. Uh, well, I guess five, there's 17 weeks now, but the way, the way um, Johnny Manziel's partying is you thought it was off season already. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll be in playoffs soon. And, uh, it, it's amazing how quickly the football season flies by. Well, we're going to get into it. Straight picks this week. Uh, good luck with your fantasy lineups. Note to your fantasy lineups: uh, don't wait till twelve fifty-five to set them. Uh, that always helps <laughs> in the long run. Uh, we start this week on Turkey Day. The Philadelphia Eagles go into Ford Field to take on the Detroit Lions. Lions are playing better, and Philly, especially that secondary, is a mess. I expect a big day from Stafford and Johnson and Golden Tate. Uh, Philadelphia, I mean, they they showed some signs of life last week with Mark Sanchez, but Jameis Winston was just way too much for him. Um, at home, Thanksgiving Day, I, I'm going to take the Lions to kind of keep the momentum going. Yeah, I think Sanchez must have been practicing against the Philadelphia secondary because these guys, you know, I mean, he's throwing interceptions thinking that these guys aren't going to move out there like the Philadelphia secondary doesn't move. So, um, yeah, Philadelphia's awful right now. It's a train wreck. Uh, Chip Kelly can't get a free cheesesteak in Philly right now. I'm taking the Lions as well. Is Chip Kelly the next head coach at LSU? He's the next head coach somewhere in college because he doesn't yeah. have an NFL <laughs> He'll be a next head coach. That'll be his, his title. <laughs> Kurt Coleman is still upset with Chip Kelly as the undefeated Panthers go into Dallas to take on the Cowboys in the first in the four thirty game. Yeah, what a difference a quarterback makes, huh? We all we know all too well as Browns fans. Um, Cam's got it rolling though. It's been amazing what he's been able to do with the limited weapons that he has. Jonathan Stewart is a legit back in this league. Uh, one of the few healthy running backs left in this league. Uh, but you know what? I, I have a feeling Dallas at home, Carolina riding high. This might be the week that Carolina goes down. Uh, Tony Romo and Dallas is playing desperate football the rest of the way. And they, it, it just, there was a spark there. And I, I think there'll be some carryover on a short week at home, Thanksgiving Day. Give me the boys. Well, I'm going to roll with the Panthers. Uh, this game, to me, the Panthers got to play four quarters of football. A couple of games that they, they always pull it out. You know, they had the double overtime game. I mean, not the double overtime. They had the overtime game uh, when they let Green Bay back in it. Um, you don't want to do that to Tony Romo and the Cowboys. Uh, I want like the Panthers to get up early and put this one away early and uh, get out of there so they can get home to Thanksgiving and enjoy their families in Charlotte. 
the Thursday night game, the turkey night game, Chicago Bears go in to take on the Green Bay Packers. Well, if you're still awake after all the turkey, then this uh, old-school NFC North division battle, uh, Aaron Rodgers last week uh, put the old R-E-L-A-X on all the haters. He definitely played a heck of a game and was able to pull that out. But uh, Chicago, it, I, I just it seemed like they were on an uptick, but they didn't look that good at all. Uh, Jay Cutler looked uh, – like Jay Cutler at the end there. I'm, I'm going to take the Packers at home on Thanksgiving night, Thursday night, all that good stuff. Uh, they're just a better team, and they're at home. Yeah, no Alshon Jeffrey really limited Cutler, uh, and he just started going back to the old things of throwing bad passes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and the Jay Cutler that we all know all too well, know so well. Uh, I agree with you as well. I like the pack attack in, uh, in, in the frozen tundra. All right, back to your normal schedule. Sunday, the Buffalo Bills go in to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Buffalo going to have to play on a short week now, playing uh, on Monday Night Football, but uh, Kansas City looked really impressive in San Diego uh, against a team that was coming off a bye week, too. So uh, back-to-back week now, the Kansas City defense has been doing damage. Uh, Alex Smith has been doing enough. Um, you know, he's not great. He's a game manager, but he can move the ball with his legs. Uh, they need to get West going a little bit more. Shaw got going a little bit for Kansas City in the backfield. Uh, I think they're just moving in the right direction. Andy Reid seems to start be – Andy Reid starts to be getting into his stride a little bit. Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs are hot. The Chiefs are hot right now. Um, I agree with you. I like the Chiefs over the Bills here, and the Bills got the, I mean, the ultimate short week of short weeks uh, with playing on Monday night with a, a very strenuous game against the Patriots. So uh, I'll roll with the Chiefs over the Bills here. If the game was in Buffalo, I might give Buffalo a better chance, but I like the Chiefs at home. The St. Louis Rams are still trying to figure out what a concussion is as they go on to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Boy, that was about as gross as it gets uh, in this day and age anyways, uh, for for him to get up like that and not even be able to pull to his feet in for no one to notice it. Uh, a, a guy that is being paid for no other reason to watch for concussions in the booth and stop the game, uh, you just got to feel bad for Case Keenum. It's like they got James Woods on the title, huh? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I, I can't imagine him being ready to go for this game. And Cincinnati looked really good against uh, Arizona despite losing it. Uh, it, it. I was nervous about their offense. If they had another stinker back-to-back, it was going to start snowballing, and here we go again. But the Rams are just a bad football team right now. Jeff Fisher's on his way out. I think he's heading to USC. Um, I, I think at home, Cincinnati gets right here and gets back on the winning track. Yeah, I agree. I think Houda Nation can uh, take a sigh of relief because this game is at 1 o'clock and the Bengals will roll the Rams. The New Orleans Saints go in to take on the return of the area warrior himself, Brian Hoyer, in the Houston Texans. Yeah, TJ Yates came in last week and played good and got the win. And this week, Hoyer gets back, and I think he's a bit of an upgrade for the 
for the Texans, but the story right now for Houston is uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, the guy week after week is just putting up monster numbers uh, without a running attack, really. I mean, Alfred Blue played an Apple game last week. Uh, Arian Foster's been hurt, but it, it's the DeAndre Hopkins show on offense, and, got, and teams are scheming to take him out, and they can't do it. Uh, Brian Hoyer in the Texans right now, that defense is playing really good. New Orleans, I don't think the bye week and the firing of Ryan is going to help them at all. Um, I, I think the Texans and that defense put a lot of pressure on New Orleans, and New Orleans' defense is a mess right now. So I'm going to take the home team and take the Texans to get above 500 and stay in first place. I agree. I think the Texans were all the Saints here. Uh, it's just the end of an era for Sean Payton, Rob Ryan, everybody down there, even Drew Brees. I mean, the, the the marching is over for the New Orleans Saints. So the Houston Texans, uh, maybe we see Byron Hoyer work a little magic here, but that defense actually has played better. Clowney came back, so um, the Texans rolled in there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Jameis Winston, Mr. Five Touchdowns, go in to take on the Indianapolis Colts. What a story Jameis Winston has been, really. Uh, from throwing interceptions early in the season, a really bad football team. This is a team that's really going in the right direction. And you got to give a lot of credit to Lovey Smith, uh, a guy that almost lost his job in the offseason uh, with two wins, has this team now 500 and trending in the right direction. Jameis Winston looks like a home run uh, as the first pick in the draft this year. Indianapolis found a little something in Atlanta last week. Uh, Hasselbeck is confident, let's put it that way. Um, He's not going to beat you downfield. They're going to have to really nickel and dime you all the way down and control the ball. Indianapolis' defense isn't good enough for the weapons that Tampa Bay has now with Doug Martin going over 200 yards. Uh, I think the Buccaneers may have found something, and I'm going to take them in a little bit of a road upset here. I think Tampa Bay, uh, definitely, I agree with you. Uh, the Jameis Winston story is probably one of the uh, best in football. I mean, this guy's really leading that team down there, uh, both the offense and defense. Uh, and the Colts, you know, Hasselbeck's turn back time, time and time again. He can move that offense, and that line blocks better with for him for some reason, not so much with Andrew Luck, who's the guy who's making the most money there. You know, and has been hurt this season a little bit. So it doesn't make any sense, but they protect Hasselback. But uh, Buccaneers went here as they're trending, in, like you said, in the right direction. The San Diego you know, Superchargers. R- real quick on the end of that. You know, the, one of the, the interesting things about Jameis Winston is, and I don't know if it's the coaching or the mentoring, but, we, you know, unlike a certain quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, he's found a way to kind of change his – his image from from college and and almost mature over a course of a season uh, rather than take years to mature. Uh, just a little comparison of some first round quarterbacks. Well, the guy sounds like he's just doing what's expected of him and actually right. you know putting the time in. I mean, yeah, yeah that's that exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. I actually love football more than anything else. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> He's staying out of trouble. He's saying the right things. He's being mature. I mean, that's and when in football, what you do when I you mean, become, hey, yeah, man, you know, when, yeah, when you become a professional. It all actually works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the San Diego Superchargers go in. Get out of that pool, lady, with those pants on to Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Yeah, boy. Uh, two pretty bad teams. I mean, Jacksonville's starting to get a little bit better. I mean, they came from, from where they came from. They can only go up. Uh, San Diego is just an absolute mess right now. I mean, them and Baltimore uh, are competing for the worst injuries this year. That offensive line is terrible. Can't protect Philip Rivers or give them any time to look downfield. Uh, the defense is a sieve. Uh, Jacksonville at home here, uh, I think, is is the improving team and the better team. I think it's a shootout, but I think Jacksonville at home wins this game. Yeah, I think Jacksonville wins the game at home. Uh, I'm real big on Kelvin Smith and that defense uh, under Gus Bradley. Uh, I, I just like the defense just a little bit more than what the Chargers bring to the table, which is absolutely nothing besides Phillip Rivers. So going with the Jaguars here. The Miami Dolphins square off against the New York Jets. Yeah, uh, the uh, Dan Campbell, uh, that act, I don't know how long it's uh, able to keep going. He's a hell of a motivator, but he's just not a very good coach, it seems. Um, they're, they're a whole lot of mess, <laughs> pretty much. Um on the other side of the ball, the Jets—they still got a lot to play for, and they've been—they've been having a hard time recently. They can't run the ball right now, and that secondary, who's led by uh, by Revis, Darrell Revis, it's—it's it's horrible. I mean, they're just giving up huge plays, huge chunks of yards. Um, I'm going to take the Jets because they're at home here in this one. Uh, I, I think it's a field goal game. Uh, two pretty bad teams, though, at this point. Yeah, this one is they'll flip the coin on this one. I like the Jets as well, uh, just because they're at home. Uh, I really, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't pick it. But, you know, we pick all the games here with the Ohio (laughs) And talking about another one that's an easy pick, the Minnesota Vikings go in to take on Atlanta Falcons. And now it looks like Devontae Freeman's out for Atlanta. Uh, Matt Ryan is not a good quarterback. Uh, he has Julio Jones, and that's the reason he puts up numbers. Uh, but he he's he just doesn't see open guys. He thinks guys are open, and then he throws big-time interceptions. Uh, I think Minnesota will come in there, control the game on the ground. Atlanta can't stop anybody. Um, and uh, Minnesota bounces back after the loss to Green Bay. Yeah, you wonder what happened. You know, I know what you're going to say, Matt Ryan happened, but uh, they never got the ball to Roddy White at all this year, and they were rolling earlier this season. But uh, right now, without Freeman and that rushing attack, they got nothing going. And they got one of the best lines in the in the NFL. But uh, you don't understand what's wrong with the Falcons. And uh, the Minnesota Vikings have got everything going right. I mean, they they got an identity running the ball. Teddy Bridgewater takes care of it and makes the plays that he needs to. And that Vikings defense is, you know, pretty stout. So I'd like the Vikings to go into Atlanta and get the W. Good call by the Browns on taking Johnny over Derek Carr at Bridgewater. The New York Giants go in to take on the Washington Redskins. Giants is in lead in this division, and Washington is a little bit of a scary place to play right now. Uh, they're a much better team at home, and Kirk Cousins, can throw the ball against bad defenses, and that's what the Giants have, a bad defense right now, especially in that back end. Uh, is it, the Giants, it always comes down to who shows up at quarterback. Is it good Eli or bad Eli? If it's good Eli, it's going to be a shootout, and the Giants will probably win it. 
Eli makes a bad mistake? Probably not. Um, I, I think I'm going to take the skins in this one. Oh, do you like that, Mr. Kirk Cousins? I'm going with the Giants here. Uh, Kirk Cousins <laughs> has regressed last week. I mean, he looks like the Kirk Cousins that we all know to be the interception machine. They played Carolina. Uh, <laughs> Everybody I mean, that bad. But he looked. I mean, he looked like it was uh, preseason. I mean, come on! Like after throwing uh, five touchdowns against the Saints, I like the I like the Giants here. They need this game more than the Redskins do. So you'll, I think you'll see an inspired Giants team, especially uh, coming off of a bye. That's true. I'm just a closet Cowboys. I'm rooting for them. <laughs> the Oakland Raiders go in to take on the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, boy, if there's a team desperate for the for a win, it's the Raiders at this point. Um, Tennessee just doesn't have the horses right now. Uh, I think Derek Carr is able to bounce back from a, a bad game. Uh, I, I just think Oakland right now has the better team. It's going to be tough going across. Those 1 o'clock starts for Oakland seem to be killer, but I think this is the week after losing in one of those situations uh, that Jack Del Rio rallies the troops and gets a win against a bad football team. Yeah, they were they were sleepwalking in the first half in Detroit. Um, I, I don't think the Titans have enough to, you know, put it together, uh, but I felt the same way about Detroit, and then they came out, you know, and got the win. So I like the Raiders here, though, to get off the schneid and uh, get back in the win column. The Arizona Cardinals go in and take on the San Francisco 49ers at the Field of Genius. Well, this is going to be probably the same exact game that San Francisco just played against Seattle, except this time it will be at home. Uh, I, I think it's a, probably a 20-point win for Arizona. Um, San Francisco just doesn't have anything. They don't have any weapons. Anquan Bolden just went out at the end of that game against Seattle, so I don't know if he'll play, and he was the only player making any plays. Um, San Francisco just doesn't stand a chance against Arizona. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more to say than Drew Stanton gets dance moves ready because the the Cardinals will be rolling over the 49ers. There you go. Here's a huge afternoon game. The Pittsburgh Steelers go into Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Yeah, for me, this is the game of the week. Uh, Pittsburgh off a bye is an interesting thought, even in Seattle. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger should be healthy at this point. Uh, They lost Le'Veon Bell, but D'Angelo Williams has shown that he's very competent to take over that role. So I don't think it's going to be as big of a loss long-term as as we thought. Um, Those wide receivers with Ben are really good. And Seattle's secondary really hasn't been the same. I just don't trust Seattle to be able to score enough points to stay with Pittsburgh. Uh, I'll take the Steelers off a bye, and they got healthy. Well, Seattle always plays better at home, and Russell Wilson had three touchdowns last week. Thomas Rawls had over 200 yards. Uh, That offense found a little something, but they were playing the 49ers. So, once again, it was like a preseason game. Uh, You know the Steelers can score – and one of the things that I saw that Arizona did, they threw at uh, Mr. Richard Sherman shut down corner and actually had great success with Larry Fitzgerald. So, uh, you know, you got Mark Davis Bryant and Antonio Brown, Mr. Pushoff out there. So it's going to be interesting to see who gets the call. So whether he gets PI calls offensive wise or Richard Sherman gets away with it. So uh, I like the Steelers as well to go in there and get the win. 
the New England Patriots and the Denver Broncos meet on Sunday night football. First time in a long time where the possibility of Peyton Manning's team and Tom Brady's team and one of those quarterbacks not playing against each other. Uh, it's going to be Brock Osweiler for the for the Broncos, according to Gary Kubiak. Uh, it, obviously, it's the right choice now. Somebody's going to have to take uh, take old Peyton back out to the shed and do him like old Yeller, figuring him to stop playing football um, or just stop paying him one of the two. But uh, in this game in particular, New England off a short week having to go to Denver. Uh, This is a big game. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game and a field goal game. I'm going to take the – all right, I'll take the Patriots on a field goal. Patriots ain't losing to Denver. They're not – and, I mean – who 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 loves playing against uh, you know first time quarterbacks more than Bill Belichick? So you got Brock Osweiler. The guys gonna see defenses he's never seen before and just have a rough day. I like the Patriots here to win. Good point. Monday, Monday night football. Everybody's <laughs> hurt, but the 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 Ravens, the wounded birds come in and take on Cleveland Browns. They may just be too injured to beat us in this one. Uh, Monday night football at home, off a bye. Uh, man, you you got to get this one against a team with no Joe Flacco, no Justin Forsett, uh, and no wide receivers to speak of. I, I just don't know how Baltimore is going to go about scoring points, and that secondary is really porous. Uh, look for a big game from Gary Barnage again, I think. And uh, I, I got the Browns winning this one 28-10. Well, you, everybody's on vacation for like seven days. They just got they'll be going back tomorrow and then taking a the day off of Thanksgiving. So the Browns really haven't put together a good week of anything going into this game. So with that, they're probably looking past it thinking they can win it easily and they'll end up making the game harder than it needs to be. Um, I I picked the Browns as well. I I say they win hopefully fourteen ten and they get it over with early so everybody can get to work on Tuesday. Well, that's the that's the NFL show for this week. Enjoy your turkey day of football Sunday and Monday night football. As always. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. The 10th Unit Report, the game edition. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to see bus. Go Bucks. The Buckeyes limp into the biggest game, the biggest, the best rivalry in sports uh, against the team up north. Jake, the Buckeyes lost the – well, in this podcast, we'll be talking about what happened, who said what, what should have happened, and what the hell is going on with this Ohio State football team uh, as they prepare to go into Ann Arbor and take on the team up north. Jake, lost Michigan State. Your thoughts? Uh, we saw the Buckeyes in this offense and uh, – you know, it's a game that, I mean, every Buckeye fan, doesn't matter, you know, what, what you feel like now. But you watch that game feeling like they shouldn't be losing. 
Yeah, boy, such a disappointment. Uh, had that game, uh, you know, they were up fourteen, up fourteen seven, third quarter. Uh, you just felt like they were going to find a way to win that game somehow with the backup quarterback. But to me, it wasn't even the. I guess it is in a way the play calling, but it's more so just the aggressiveness. There was just no killer instinct. That's the one thing that this team seems to have been lacking all year is just an edge. And I think that's partly coaching. Uh, It's a big part coaching. And, uh, you know, those plays downfield just didn't exist. And they kept trying to find the edge instead of, or, or run it right at them. One of the two, um, both sides of the ball, the, the, the lines just got dominated. Uh, it was a good old-fashioned buck kicking in the second half by uh, Michigan State. Yeah, I think the rain took a lot of the aggressiveness away from whatever the Buckeyes were trying to do, but clearly the game plan was flawed from the start. Um, you know, I felt like, and pass off to of Mark D'Antonio, um, he's 2-2 two two against Urban Meyer, and for some reason, you got to give some credit to Jim Bowman as well with two uh, backup quarterbacks coming in and out. They found a way to get a rhythm for that team and keep the Buckeyes off kilter. Uh, you know, this, this Buckeye team, you look at that offense, and I I, I shake my head. You know, um, you got eight punts, five first downs, and 132 total yards of, uh, of offense. Um, 16 passes, 46 yards. Ezekiel Elliott gets two carries in the second half. Um, you, you thought maybe the sweater vest was down there calling the plays. Uh, I will say this. You know, you, you you saw some good things from some guys, like Jalen Marshall. Jalen Holmes was in the game, made two back-to-back plays to get the defense off the field, and then you never saw him again. Sam Hubbard, of course, came in with the strip sack. Um, a couple guys dropped a couple of interceptions that could be had. Uh, it felt like Ohio State was always one play away, but they just couldn't get that play. And uh, I think the emotion of senior day, the rain, it was the confluence of a bad game plan. It all came back to uh, on a team that hasn't been right all year. Uh, one of the questions I posed to you about this game, and you just think about it, you know, I felt like if Cardell Jones would have gotten an opportunity, maybe we would have saw a little different, maybe it provides a spark with, you know, getting a little bit of an action downfield. But, um, you know, this offense hasn't been right all year, and it felt you know, everybody was screaming for JT to come in, but why Cardell? Why doesn't JT get the same blame for the offense and some of the decisions he made? And when we saw the same kind of ineptitude earlier in the year when Cardell Jones was in there. No, I mean, I I would say that I, I agree with you. I think my point all season was that Urban wanted to use Cardell because of his size and because of his arm strength, and for situations just like this a big defensive line that's getting after the quarterback and and a guy that in you put him in the wind, uh, you put him in the rain, he just doesn't have the ability to get the ball downfield. Well, Cardell does. Now, how accurate he would be is a different thing. But the bottom line is you, we're just, you got yourself in a bad situation with the quarterback play. You had to pick somebody and let him have the reps. Uh, there was just never any continuity with this team offensively, no matter who was in there. Um, JT was able to move the ball a little bit more because he has the added threat of his legs. But when you start looking at him throwing the ball, it's not there. So it's just as bad, if not worse, than, than Cardell. Um, 
in that situation when stuff isn't working, maybe maybe that is something that should have been thought of. Um, to me, Urban needs to be more involved with his offense. If he stands at the podium and he says that the play calling stunk and there was another guy that we'll talk about that said the play calling stunk, it, that's on him to, to say, hey, Zeke's touched it two times. Or, or we need to get Zeke going a little bit more. So, I, I mean, you can blame Tim Beck and uh, Ed Warner all we want, but ultimately Urban Myers, the guy who's the architect of that offense, and if he needs to rip the play calling, then rip the play calling. you got to win a game. Yeah, and, but the other thing is, too, the, uh, I, they're limited because the offensive line has not played well as well, um, and that's one of the things that is just a little confounding to me. Uh, you think about this game, how they take and get up for it. Uh, that you think about the the score that Ezekiel Elliott did have. I mean, that was a fourth down play where they didn't get a push on third down or second down when they ran. So, um, and I just, you know, JT Barrett felt like he was pressing the whole game. A lot of those zone reads, he kept the ball. And then you think about the inaccurate pass. I know he got hit on the play, but he could have let it go any point because Braxton Miller was wide open. Since he, almost, since he made his cut at like the 10, 10 yards down the field, he was wide open. So you wonder about the timing of the offense, and that's what I think is one of the things that hasn't been there all year as well. It's just the, the timing hasn't been there, and it's been easy for teams to pass the box and disrupt it. We saw it a little bit with Virginia Tech the year before, and uh, we're seeing it again this year. And that's pretty much, you know, if you can get your defense up in Ohio State's faces and they run single back sets with their wide receivers in, uh, you've got Ohio State at a disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, yeah, uh, then you also had the the fault or the encroachment penalties that made more manageable fourth downs. It turned fourth and eight to fourth and three, and third and ten to third and five. It, that was, I mean, it, it, you just can't do that stuff in big games at big moments. Uh, it, it just undisciplined. Stuff and then defensively, you know, these guys weren't throwing the ball. Period. And we never adjusted to try to stop the run. We were gonna we were gonna be stubborn and just play our base defense and do our thing, rather than pack the box like they were doing and daring us to, to throw. And we never did. And we saw the result. And we we should have taken a page from them, and and brought safeties up into the box and blitz linebackers. It was. All around, you know, it was an ass-kicking. It was a stinker. Good news, there's not a team in the world that you'd rather come play off a loss and get up for than that team up north. Yeah, and you you know the comments Ezekiel had made after that. um, You know, one of the things, it's a great article. We shared it on the Facebook page and the Washington Post, you know, a lot of people always get mad at, at athletes for the post-game presser where they, you know, you get the both teams play hard, my man, the cold cliches and everything. Zeke Elliott, you know, said what everybody was feeling, and clearly he was frustrated. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer said in his Monday press conference, clearly that wasn't the forum for it, but didn't say he disagreed with him one bit. So, I mean, he 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 didn't, you know, once again, it's the forum, and just a, a bad look for you to be, you know, clearly he was emotional, and uh, everybody was. I mean, fans, players, everybody. Yeah, it was just a, it was a loss that didn't have to happen. But um, you show your character about how you move on. He put out a nice message on Twitter, and I think, like you said, you know, all the motivation is there, and you got no time to waste when you're going to Ann Arbor. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've got nothing really to add to that. I think you said it well. I mean, you're going to stick a microphone in front of a 20-year-old's face who wanted to do nothing but win and ask him his thoughts. He was emotional. He knew it was his last game at Ohio Stadium. And I think just stuff came out of his mouth. And it's obviously regrettable. It's not probably the, the best thing to do in the world. It's not a good look, but uh, like you said, it's how you move on, and I expect a, a big effort from Ezekiel Elliott, and I think he'll learn from this experience. It, it, you know, it, 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 there's so much emotion going through, guys. Uh, that's why there's a cooling off period in the NFL where they go back to the locker room and actually come out to the, the podium. I mean, this was in uniform, in the tunnel, microphones in your face after you just lost to Michigan State. So I'm not going to be hard on him at all. Well, we look at the the game, the game, and uh, the weather will be football weather. Um, Michigan is feeling their oats. I mean, the team up north is feeling well about their effort, you know, a big win over Penn State where uh, they got to Heckenberg and, you know, gave gave him trouble that even banged him up a little bit. So uh, they come into this game feeling as best they've had, the, the best feeling that this is the best opportunity they've had to knock off an Ohio State team in probably the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, this game means so much to both these teams. And you've got a first-year coach in Harbaugh that, I mean, this is how you jumpstart a program, basically. Uh, you got a wounded animal, though, in Ohio State. Uh, two weeks ago, I would have been a lot more worried about this game. I think coming off this loss, though, this team's going to be angry and going to be motivated, and there's going to be changes made, and we're going to see a more aggressive game plan. And quite frankly, the Michigan defense is overrated in my mind. Um, Hopefully they'll be able to come up with a plan to confuse Reddick a little bit. Um, I, I actually feel really good about this game. There's still a lot to play for. I mean, it you never know what happens. Penn State could go up to East Lansing and and figure out a way to beat Michigan State after they just won their biggest game in their school in a long, long time. Let's put it that way. Um, so Michigan State might be down a little bit and prize for an upset. You get in that Big Ten championship game, beat an undefeated team, there's a lot of stuff that can still happen. And even if Michigan State doesn't lose, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. Now, a lot more stuff would have to happen if Michigan State doesn't lose, but it's still there. And uh, the only difference is we don't control it anymore. Yeah, we're we're waiting for a lot of teams to lose. I mean, the, the teams in front of us lose. A lot of them have two losses, so Ohio State definitely move up. Uh, you're hoping the committee follows the AP and the coaches poll and keeps Ohio State in the top ten, which will give them that ability to jump back up. But uh, as we focus on this game, you talked about Jake Woodock. You know, he's been playing well over the last uh, couple of games, uh, 64% of his passes, uh, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, you know, he's he's vulnerable to turn the ball over, and I think that's where the Buckeye secondary is going to come into play. Eli Apple and, and Gary Conley got to make plays out there. They can't let these balls get by them. Um, and Tyrus Powell, you know, they've got to – these guys have got to seize these opportunities out there because I think it's going to be out there for them. Now, you know Jim Harbaugh is going to want to – get the uh, ball to the fullbacks and the tight ends and that old style of football. So we're going to see a lot of wheel routes and things like that, misdirections 
where they try to get those guys open. So I hope the Raekwon with Nick Miller, Raekwon McMillan, Raekwon McMillan is ready to play in coverage with something that he hasn't excelled well in this year. Um, and, you know, I hope these guys are ready to, you know, they won't be spread out, but they'll be, you know, asked to uh, stay focused in their assignments. And that's going to be a hard thing to make sure that they got the right person because there's going to be multiple fullbacks out there, multiple tight ends. And that's where the confusion comes in. You think this guy is just there to block and then he slips past you and then it's a big play up the scene. So that's what Harbaugh likes to do. They they did it against Michigan State to some success. Um, and that, that's what you're going to see. That's how they got, a little, got it going against Penn State. They will bring Jabril Preppers, the safety that uh, helps that defense. They'll bring him over on offense and goal line situations. And I don't even think you'll see him in some other situations. So you know when he comes in the game, they're running the ball. And I think they're going to want to run the ball and set up the play action rather than just uh, go wide open offense against Ohio State. Yeah, great points. Uh, You need to do nothing but put the Virginia Tech tape in to to see wheel routes and misdirection that completely fooled us. Uh, you got to stay with your assignment. you got to keep contained. You've got to not over-pursue. Uh, discipline is going to be the name of the game defensively. And then on the other side of the ball, it's aggressiveness. You know, I said it earlier, they got to play with a killer instinct, uh, not a try to pick up first down. So we've got to keep these guys loose. You're not going to be able to beat them unless you throw downfield a little bit. Uh, I don't care what the weather looks like. Um, The team that's more physical always wins this game. And, uh, I think Ohio State, with the, the the state they're in right now, they're going to come out angry and ready to go. Michigan's just sitting there waiting for us, and uh, if they think that it's going to be an easy time and they're going to beat up on an Ohio State team that's uh, a little bit limping, they got another thing coming. Well, one of the big things to me is who's going to show up. We need JT Barrett to show up, Ezekiel Elliott to show up, Mike Thomas to show up. Uh, those guys, they're supposed to be the leaders on this team. They've got to show up and make plays. We need Joey Bosa to keep his composure and all the Buckeyes to play with composure. We know every year you see the tapes and we love them, but you see the clips and we love them. But, you know, the guys on Michigan will be – the guys on the team up north will be trying to pick fights and, you know, do the little things, you know, getting giving people the business in the piles and things like that, trying to get guys to react. And we cannot let these guys get that – Get that. Uh, we cannot let them get the advantage on a player getting tossed and things like that. So and penalty flags. So you you want to be as disciplined as you can be. I mean, I'm not saying let somebody punk you, but you know, don't give the game away. You know, because of super penalties. What's the most important unit that has to be effective to win Saturday? I think the special teams unit. We need Nuremberger to make some damn kicks. Um, and we need to make sure that they don't. They have a very dangerous returner. Uh, we need to put ourselves in better field position. I mean, just the special teams all the way around. To me, as much as the offense needs to get going, I think the defense and the special teams can win this game uh, if we get the same effort that we've seen from the offense before, which I I don't believe will be the case. But I just know if those six units say they they show up, the Buckeyes will be in good shape. Yeah, and for me, it's it's the offensive line at this point. And not even the pass protection. It's just the attitude that they've got to go out there and they've got to whip the guy in front of them. The other guy's coming hard, too. And this offensive line is pretty much the same offensive line that kicked Alabama's ass last year. 
and kick Wisconsin's ass and kick Oregon's ass. Now go do it in a game that really matters for us and take out Michigan. Well, of course, uh, I think we're uh, unanimous in believing that the Buckeyes will win. As every week we are here as with an Ohio bias, uh, we've been wrong <laughs> four times. But, uh, you know, hey, I mean, that's a pretty good ratio there, 48-4. That's true. I like the Buckeyes here. Uh, a score of, I think they get that much-needed first-quarter touchdown, which allows them to uh, release some of the pressure and then really get going in Iron Armor. I think the Buckeyes win 35-21. to 21. Yeah, I think it'll be a little closer than that, but uh, I'm going to take a very similar score. I'm going to take 31-28 Buckeyes. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we had a tough week, a uh, tough couple of days, but we're back. We believe in this team. Uh, we're not turning our backs on Coach Meyer. Uh, we might be happy to see a couple guys change jobs at the end of the season, but right now we're all in with the Buckeyes and uh, the coaching staff and the players. So, as always, go Bucks. Enjoy the game on Saturday. As always, go Bucks. Buckeyes follow Buckeyes. OH. Oh. Did you hear from John? Yeah, he said he's in. He was going to do the whole thing. I'm just waiting to find the guy's number.
All right, hold on here. Trying again. Hello, you've reached John Costas with Ranch Creek Recovery. I'm sorry I missed your call. If you leave a message, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I told the guy. I told the guy seven forty-five his time. I mean, we were a couple minutes late, but that was the best time he you knows has been all year. So I don't know. Right. Um, let's just get it started. If he calls back, then we'll get him on. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast of real fans with D and Jake. For with D and Jake, college football week thirteen. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to Seabus. It's college football. Hey, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the Ohio State Buckeyes lost, but uh, we're still excited about the college football landscape, believe it or not. You know, uh, we got we got all that out on Sunday, and we're back fresh with a college football show for you. Uh, in this college football show, we'll look at the takeaways from last week. Uh, look at the coaching carousel. Say goodbye to Frank Beamer and uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies program, and also talk about Les Miles positively losing his job. Uh, then we will, of course, play the prediction game and go around and pick all the games where we have the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday action. Uh, Jake, you know, biggest takeaway, we start with the Buckeyes. Um, but we still have hope that the Buckeyes can maybe backdoor their way into the college football playoffs. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the game on Saturday against Michigan State was disgusting. I mean, there was no two ways about it. All sides of the ball, coaching, uh, the players got whipped. Uh, no excuses. You just got outplayed and, and beat by a better team that day. Uh, that said, yeah, there there's still a lot to play for. First of all, you got the team up north this week, uh, which should be plenty to play for anyways, no matter the situation. But... If you if you win that game, Michigan State 
has a legitimate shot to lose this week at home to Penn State. You know, they're going to be riding high. They're going to be at home, a similar spot where we were kind of at, maybe a little bit complacent. Uh, Connor Cook, whether he plays or not, uh, Penn State's a capable team, and it's a Big Ten rivalry game. There's a definite shot to lose. So you take care of your business, and Sparty loses somehow. All of a sudden you're playing an undefeated Iowa at the Big Ten championship game. It's going to be awfully hard for the big for the committee to keep the Big Ten champ out uh, with one loss. Uh, I think whether that's Iowa undefeated or Michigan State or Ohio State or possibly even that team up north, if God forbid that happens. Uh, even if Michigan State doesn't lose, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot more stuff that would have to happen. Uh, but the, the door's still open there uh, for a possibility that Ohio State could could sneak in with uh, a lot of chips falling. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the other takeaways I have is just you look at the health of the quarterbacks around college football landscape. Um, we know what happened to Baylor's quarterback. They're, they're possibly starting a, a wide receiver turn quarterback. I mean, you think about Trayvon Boykin trying to make his comeback. Baker Mayfield left the game, you know, with an injury. Uh, so you don't know about him. I mean, uh, uh, Notre Dame lost their running back. Uh, health was a big thing this week uh, in the college football world. So uh, you don't know what could happen, uh, but anything can happen, as we say. Uh, one thing that's healthy, they're getting healthy at the right time, are the guys in black and yellow, and that's the Iowa Hawkeyes. I mean, still undefeated, and they share that with, of course, the Clemson Tigers, the number one team in the nation. Uh, you look at that Iowa Hawkeyes program. I mean, going into Lincoln, Nebraska, not not too not too shabby. And uh, I know you don't put a lot of stock in Mike Riley. Actually, you know what? This week I do like Nebraska. I think Tommy Armstrong can pose a lot of problems for Iowa. I think this is the most talented team. Iowa he poses he poses a lot of problems for for young ladies if they're at his wide receivers house. <laughs> well, let's keep it to the field for this for the purpose of this conversation. But uh, I think Iowa's got their hands full up in Lincoln. Um, you know, I, I've watched a couple of the Iowa games, and they're a solid football team, but they're not a spectacular team that's going to be able to come from behind and put up a lot of points. They just do a lot of stuff good. And for as good of a job as Kirk Ferentz has done, and the one thing they do do real well is, is they block. That offensive line is very good, and, and it makes sense because Ferentz is an offensive line guy. But uh, it's a team that can be beat, bottom line. There's not a lot of great teams in college football. Uh, I'd say there isn't one. Uh, But there's a lot of good teams and really good teams. And I think Iowa is just one of those really good teams that could be beat on any given Saturday. Well, I'll tell you this. Somebody made it. I heard somebody make a comparison. I'm sorry I can't quote who the person is or give them the credit, but they say that team reminded them a lot of the 2001 Ohio State Buckeyes team, and that I actually it's, I actually do. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. Hold on real quick. Yeah. Okay. All right, hold on. He just called in. All right, let's call Dr. Alpern. Let me just finish that thought real quick. Yeah, that Iowa Hawkeyes team, you, you said it, it is a great comparison. Um, 
don't even know what the fuck I was going to say. Comparing them to Ohio State, to Ohio State. Yeah, I know, I know, but I was just going, I was going, oh. And, you know, C.J. Bethard, you think about Craig Quinzel, you know, it makes the plays when he needs to. The defense is timely, you know, getting stops. I mean, uh, and they just seem like a team of destiny. And right now, all they've done is win the games in front of them. That's all you can ask for, you know, in the college football season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, great comparison. I actually think Beathard's probably a better quarterback than Krenzel could ever be. Um, he, he's definitely more mobile and is probably more accurate. Um, but he, he's in the way that he just takes care of the ball and takes care of the team, absolutely. Um, yeah, it just that they do all the small things right. They block. They They don't make a lot of penalties or turn the ball over. Um, but like I said, they're also a team that in that same way of being unspectacular is susceptible to a loss. They, they don't, they can't hang their hat on one thing that makes them great. Let me try to get this guy on here. All right, we're back. I don't know. I tried twice. Uh, he called and then now he's not answering again. So, uh, uh, how about Ambadola? Just Ambadola uh, just went down. 
I saw that. I knew that was coming. I mean, I just said that on the podcast two weeks ago. When soon as soon as Julie Ellison went down, I was like, this Danny Evans old guy's next. This guy ain't guy ain't playing the healthy season in his career. You know what I'm saying? So. He just he just went down on a. Uh, it was a punt return where he didn't even touch the ball. He backed off. I, I saw this guy taking those punts, and I was wondering why are they playing with fire with him back? So. Right. <laughs> no, I got it up on the one TV. Um, your takeaways. What do you got? Um, go ahead with something. I got to get in front of my stuff here. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, give me one second. Oh, you know, you you look at now the situation. Well, this is the one I went into it, but I can move it around. Now you look at the situation. LSU three straight losses. Um, that offense looks inept, and we know Ezekiel Elliott's out of the Heisman picture. But did anybody fall faster than Leonard Fournette? And now um, just looks very uh, human <laughs> compared to everybody else in that LSU offense. Um, don't really understand what happened down there in Baton Rouge, how it went off the track. But uh, SEC not looking very strong when you talk about Florida almost getting upset by FAU having to go to overtime with them. Um, you know, SEC, oh, has it, you know, really fallen off. I mean, maybe the second-best team is the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, that's crazy to say after how they started the year as well. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look good for LSU right now. Uh, for some reason, Les Miles can't find a quarterback, save his, literally his job. Um, but you're right. And the interesting thing about Florida is they got to play a tough game against Florida State this week. And if they were to lose that game and then beat Alabama, is it goodbye SEC? It's very possible, very possible. And that, you know, it's a, it's a scenario that definitely is out there. Um, but uh, the, you know the the bias probably won't help. Uh. Boy, I, I mean, it'd be really hard to imagine them not putting the SEC champ in. But a two-loss team over a lot of these one-loss teams would be a very interesting conversation, to say the least. Absolutely. Um, you, you got anything else there? You want to just. Uh, I'm just looking through the games right now. I didn't know I was supposed to have takeaways. Yeah, really the, the LSU, the, no, I know. That's why I was just going to use that LSU one to transition into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing about LSU, you look at Les Miles' record, 100 games, 30-some losses, I mean, and they're talking about pushing this guy out with a and you, you know they raised his salary three times in his tenure being there, um, and now he has a ten to fifteen million dollar buyout that they're saying is not a problem. Uh, who is LSU going to go get to coach that football team? First of all, who the hell does LSU think they are? I mean, <laughs> winning national titles is not LSU's birthright. LS Miles turned a, a program around. I mean, I know Nick Saban came in and actually probably turned started turning it around, obviously won the national title. But that, that team, that program was not very good for a long time. Uh, so it, LSU, I think, has gotten a little bit full of itself at this point and don't know what they have until it's gone type situation. Absolutely. And talking about don't know what, 
is what they got till it's gone. Uh, I think Virginia Tech's really going to miss Frank Beamer. Uh, a spirited effort uh, to try to knock North Carolina came up short there at the end. But, um, but you know, Frank Beamer uh, really, really ended up there. Yeah, I actually watched a lot of this game, and they had no business being in it and just completely rallied and, and did the Frank Beamer stuff uh, to get back into that game. Like you said, came up just a field goal short in overtime. But, uh, it, you know, Virginia Tech, it, it, he made that program. As much as I disliked that program and disliked him, you got to give the guy credit. Um, he, I mean, he basically is Virginia Tech football, uh, and it's just going to be an impossible act to follow at Virginia Tech. Jake. Yeah. Okay, hold on a second. Oh, well, that works out that time. Jake, you there? I'm here. All right, good, good, good. If we don't figure it out before midnight, there will be no college football show this week. Hold on, I'm gonna try to keep them on. Seriously.
Jake. Jake. John. I'm just fucking with you. I'm here. John, are you with us? No, John. How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's like if I join it too fast and it doesn't work. Oh, my God. All right, any more time? John. Yes. Jake. I'm here. Oh, there he is. All right. Well, no show tonight. Uh, we're gonna try it again tomorrow. So. All right. Talk to you later. We're gonna try. We're gonna try. No, it I'm, tomorrow, joking. I'm joking. No, stay on the line. Stay on. The line. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, emotions. John. <laughs> Jake, are you all right, man? I heard you in a car accident or something. You know yeah. Yeah, no, a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm better now, though. Yeah, I got I hit my head and hurt my back a little bit. That's no good at all, man. No, no. I had that podcast, had that podcast actually recorded. We had a, a good two minutes on you being in the concussion protocol. It was an Ohio bias. So. <laughs> I, I asked if you were probable, questionable, or doubtful for next week's podcast. <laughs> Day to day, you gotta go through the protocol. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody's day to day in this world. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, takeaway one was the Ohio State loss to Michigan State. I mean, I mean, gentlemen, I I was surprised as anyone going into it. Um, I I thought the lines makers had the line too high at Michigan State plus 14 and a half as of game day. 
while I didn't think it would be that close, um, I thought the Ohio State offense led by JT Barrett would be able to really move the ball uh, on a Spartan secondary that had give up had given up big chunks of yards throughout the entire season. And when they weren't able to do that, uh, I knew that there was going to be problems. I think you saw some of the foundation uh, of that Buckeye team crumble as the game went on. Uh, And all Michigan State needed was one crack and one opportunity. They took advantage of it. And, you know, that's football. you got to bring it every single week. Uh, It's a tough loss, certainly, for Ohio State uh, as it puts them in a position where now they're on the outside looking in for the playoff. But, hey, you know, the Spartans still need to go uh, into uh, State College next week, uh, take on the Nittany Lions, uh, you know, who played Michigan pretty tough. Uh, and, and obviously they've got to take care of their business with the Wolverines. But uh, this one isn't over yet. We'll see what happens. And your thoughts on the Iowa Hawkeyes undefeated? You know, they, they keep, you know, chucking along. But at the same time, and, and we talked about it last week, this is a Hawkeye team that hadn't played anybody yet. Uh, you go you go down their schedule, and unfortunately uh, it's, it's a litany of bad teams. Uh, starting with the Illinois States and Iowa States of the world. Uh, they played a, a pit team at home, not a bad pit team, but it was at home. They only won by three. North Texas, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, Maryland, Indiana, Auburn, finishing it off with, with uh, Purdue. Now they have to go to Nebraska this week. This should be their toughest test of the season, and I'll be very interested uh, to see what happens in this game. Linemakers currently have this game uh, as a, Iowa as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, but, you know, this is the number five team in the country right now uh, going up against uh, a Nebraska team who hasn't had their best season. And I think the odds makers are telling you something. One-and-a-half-point favorite against a five-and-six football, five football team. We'll see what happens. I think that game being on a Friday night also uh, adds something to it. it. You know, kind of the only big game at that time. Uh, we'll see how Iowa does now under the big spotlight of having to win a game with all eyes on it too. Friday, two thirty. That's what I meant. All eyes on them Friday afternoon at three thirty. Your thoughts on Frank Beamer? Uh, your thoughts on Virginia Tech's own Frank Beamer calling it uh, career? Well, obviously, with with Frank Beamer, D, uh, it's one of the most historic coaches in all of college football. Uh, has truly done things his own way uh, since the beginning. Uh, but I feel like maybe this is uh, a, a college football game, schematically, that is maybe getting away from him a little bit. Uh, and I think it's the right time for him to kind of ride off in the sunset, so to speak. Uh, great coach, um, but maybe this is a couple years overdue. And then LSU, three straight losses, and the Baton Rouge folks want to say go less miles. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. I, I think un, uh, less miles is a pretty underrated coach schematically. I think ultimately the biggest problem they run into is they don't have a quarterback. Um, I think people have, have talked about Brandon Harris a little bit over the season, uh, but this is just a kid that, that can't, you know, make plays. And when you have to rely strictly on Leonard Fournette, 
you're only going to be able to do so much. And when you play a front seven like Old Miss uh, with Robert Kimdichi standing there in the center, uh, it's going to make things a challenge. That's what we saw. And, um, yeah, for, for those bottom feeders, they can push everybody around. But when they play somebody with some talent, we'll be interested to see. Uh, this week they have a, a pretty challenging matchup. Who do they have again? I screwed up. Oh, uh, pretty, pretty. Uh, I should say, simple, uh, simpler matchup for them with Texas A&M, a team that likes to play spread, maybe a little softer defensively. They should have their way. All right, let's get into the games for this. You got any takeaways? Anything you want to bring up, John? Uh, I, you know, I think you covered you covered most of it. How, how about this Navy team? Uh, this, this is a really quality Navy football team. All they do is win football games. They're one loss on the season at Notre Dame, uh, in which they lost by 17, but this was a competitive game, 41-24, the only loss on their schedule. They've pretty much rolled everybody that this, that has stood in front of them. Uh, Got to give a lot of credit to this Navy offense. Uh, they are tremendous. All right, let's get into the games for this week. We start with the Texas Tech Raiders going into Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns. Go ahead and lead us off, John. You know, when when you talk about Texas Tech, it's it's the kind of team that, that wants to play, you know, basketball between the hedges, so to speak. And, yeah, I think Texas is the kind of team that will probably do that with them. Um, I think you're seeing better quarterback play from the Longhorns. And I think with Mahomes and that squad over there with the Red Raiders, obviously they're going to be able to move the ball, probably not get too many stops. For me, there's only one way I can look, and it is over 72.5. Yeah, Pat Mahomes, third in passing, uh, 3,900 yards, uh, 31 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Uh, you really like they they found something against K State. Uh, got it rolling again. Got that air raid offense rolling again. I like Texas Tech here. Yeah, you know what? Texas Tech is not the same team outside of Lubbock. Uh, it, I mean, other than the fact that they're a bad defense, either way. Uh, Texas coming off the bye, I, I think they rally here. They'll, I mean, like you said, John. I mean, there's going to be a million points scored. Uh, I just think Texas will be able to make a few stops, and I don't trust Texas Tech to be able to do it. I'm going to take Texas to win. All right. In a game that is pretty big for the AAC, the Navy midshipmen go in to take on the Houston Cougars. Yeah, this is one heck of a football game. Uh, Really impressed with what I've seen. Out of Navy, as I said, but heck, the Houston Cougar team that that hasn't had a loss yet. Um, I, I've been really impressed with Greg Ward Jr. They lost to Connecticut last week, buddy. That's right. I had Connecticut. What am I thinking? Well, it's because Greg Ward didn't play, right? Oh, that's right. No, he played. He played, and then they replaced him with the backup quarterback, but they didn't bring him into the second half. Let me. Uh, Powerful. <laughs> let me start Kyle Postman came in. Greg Ward was one for four for 18 yards, uh, but, I mean, Kyle Postman didn't come into the second half, and then he was 15 to 27 for one touchdown. But, that's, yeah. By the way, yeah, those are me... my notes that I was going to bring up about the game. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, watched let me... Yeah, let me reload, then. 
Um, yeah, as we talked about with, with the Navy midshipmen, really quality team playing some of their best football on the season. Uh, and maybe this is a Cougar team that was looking ahead to this football game, uh, obviously dropping uh, a game at UConn uh, in a tough environment there in stores, probably not used to the cold and the weather that comes with it. Still no excuse uh, to lose to a UConn team that struggles the way they do offensively. Um, really, when you look at you know games where there's a potential look ahead, uh, you you tend to see a hangover effect. And for me, uh, I've got to look uh, for Navy to win the game. Yeah, a lot of distractions around this Cougar program. Will Tom Herman be there? Um, you know, a bad week for anybody associated with Ohio State, basically, uh, as they lost to UConn in an inexplicable way. Uh, Kyle Postma was 15 to 27 when he did get the play and a touchdown. But uh, when they're coming with the Navy shipment coming in there, the Navy midshipmen coming in there, and Keenan Reynolds, this is will be this will be his Heisman moment. Uh, we know this game is going to be on TV Friday. Uh, a lot of people are going to, as you always say, take a lot of eyes on it. And I like the Navy midshipmen uh, to give Cougars give the Cougars their second loss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like Reynolds is breaking a record every week, um, and that triple option is just something else, and especially the way they run it. Um, it, it it's so hard to stop. Uh, you know, you got a wounded animal in the Cougars this week. The big key is going to be whether or not Ward is healthy. If Ward's healthy, I, I think Houston has enough uh, to outscore Navy. But without Ward, that offense just isn't the same. Um, and I, I, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Ward uh, comes back, is a little bit healthier this week. And I'm going to take the Cougars at home to beat the midshipmen. All right, we got some action on Friday, gentlemen. The Kent State Akron rivalry game is upon us. Uh, Kent State goes in to take on the Akron Zips. Yeah, to me, there's only one way you can look. Uh, Kent State's a one-way team. I'm either betting against them or I'm not playing the game. Uh, and while it is a rivalry game, I think Akron has way more talent than they do. Uh, and I look for Akron to win the game. Maybe under 40 is worth a look as well. Well, Akron has won the last three of the matchups, and you really like Thomas Woodson, the game he had against Buffalo, four touchdowns, and, the, you know, Don Alexander on the, road, on, the, on the ground for 143 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Kent State put up a valiant effort against uh, Central Michigan, the Chippewas, but still came up short. Definitely like the Zips here to win at home. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned the history of the matchup uh, recently. Um, I, it, both teams just struggle to move the ball. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game, but uh, I'll take the home team in the rivalry game. And you love how they talk so much, Matt, only being 20 miles away, uh, you know, and how that neither educations are worth much when you hear them tell it. All right, let's get into it. We got a big one here, a battle of Washington. The Washington, the Washington Huskies go in and take on the Washington State Cougars. You know this is, this is a tough game to predict. Obviously, we're recording uh, here before the Thanksgiving holiday, and there's still uh, a lot on the table as far as uh, Luke Falk, whether he plays, whether he doesn't play. 
and for me, is there a more uh, under-the-radar, uh, under-exposed team that, than this Washington State team? Uh, I've been really impressed with them, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, uh, which is not a specialty uh, for this Cougar team, or at least it hasn't been in the past. Um, and really, for me, uh, that's been the big piece of the puzzle. On the flip side, maybe not the most dynamic offense for Washington, but again, another really quality defensive squad. Uh, line is not out for this game simply because Luke Falk's injury uh, kind of puts things on hiatus. That said, um, I kind of like under in this game. It's some tough weather. As it gets a little colder up in uh, the Washington State area, I think this game goes under the total. Uh, maybe you see more defense than people would expect. Well, I definitely – I like the Huskies here. Uh, with the status of Fox being unknown, I think the Huskies' defense has been much improved since the beginning of the year. They've been able to grind it out. Chris Peterson will find a timely way to get us a couple scores, and I like the Huskies to pull it out in full <laughs> Yeah, John, the answer to your question is anybody flying under the air like Washington State? Well, maybe the answer is Washington. Um, Chris Peterson has done a tremendous job in turning this thing around. And uh, I, I like the home team in this situation with Falk being iffy at best. All right. The Big Ten big game on Friday. The Iowa Hawkeyes undefeated take it in to Lincoln to take on the Black Shirts the Nebraska Cornhuskers. You know, it's interesting, gentlemen. We talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. This is an Iowa team that's fifth in the country, undefeated. They head into Nebraska 5-6, and six, not having a solid year under Mike Riley, obviously taking his lumps. And they're, in a, they're a one and a half point favorite in this game. Uh, and if you want Nebraska to win the game on the money line, uh, you're looking at $1.05, meaning for every dollar you bet, that's a dollar five that you receive on top. So for me, uh, I think the lines makers are telling us everything we need to know. Uh, Nebraska's a live dog in this game. I think they win outright, and I think this dog and pony show that is the Iowa Hawkeyes gets exposed. Well, I made the comparison earlier. I think this Iowa team is uh, reminiscent of that 2001 uh, Buckeye National Championship team, and. Uh, I think they go into Lincoln. I think the game is tougher, and it will be very entertaining. So, well, maybe not entertaining for uh, fans of not Big Ten football, but uh, uh, it'll probably be more entertaining than an SEC game uh, because we do have some decent quarterback play here with C.J. Bethard and Tommy Armstrong, Jr. Uh, Tommy Armstrong, Jr. is a tough guy when it comes to the ladies, but uh, I think he'll be tough on the football field for once. And I like the Iowa Hawkeyes to stay undefeated, though. I think they're a team of destiny, and I think they ride it out uh, all the way to the Big Ten Championship. Well, John, I'm with you reading the Vegas tea leaves on this one. This game reminds me of the uh, USC-Utah game. Everybody was scratching their head why USC was a – I think they were a three-point favorite against Utah at the time, the undefeated Utah Utes. And they went in and they did what uh, everybody – didn't think was going to happen, but Vegas knew it was going to happen, and that's USC beating Utah. And I think it's very similar here in Nebraska. I think Nebraska has overall more talent. Um, I think Tommy Armstrong will be able to make plays and expose Iowa a little bit, and it'll be a, a big test for Iowa. Uh, I, I'm with you. For as much as I don't like Mike Riley, uh, I, I think Nebraska gets the job done and beats Iowa this week. 
in the primetime game Friday night, the game that you wonder if either team has enough healthy bodies to even have a football team. The Baylor Bears go in to Fort Worth to take on the TCU Horn Frogs. Yeah, obviously a tough loss uh, for Baylor a couple weeks back against Oklahoma. You really wondered if they were going to rebound at Oklahoma State coming off of that loss. Uh, and they did. They came right into Stillwater and absolutely dominated the Cowboys from start to finish. i got to give this team a lot of credit. Um, but now you wonder, who's going to play quarterback? There's talks, uh, talks of uh, Stidham being highly questionable, uh, and they're looking at a wide reser- uh, a quarterback-turned-wide receiver, again-turned-quarterback, uh, third-stringer Chris Johnson, uh, to start in this game. Really interesting to see who will start at quarterback, but to me there's only one way I can look. Uh, I can't bet TCU. I've got to look Baylor. Uh, Line isn't out yet, just again because of the quarterbacks uh, for Baylor and who will play, Um, but I think this will be a great game up and down the field. Team to get to 50 or 60 wins the football game. Uh, i got to look towards Baylor, though. Well, Baylor also has the running back Shaq Linwood out with an ankle. Uh, he is questionable to play, so they are hurting all around, and their safety is out as well. Um, I like TCU to try to save their season and find something to play for. Trayvon Boykin is trying to effort to play as well. Um, I just think the Horn Frogs protect their house, and they're always tougher at home. And this Baylor team, uh, they, they just have been decimated by injuries and don't have enough to finish the season. Yeah, D, I'm with you. I, I think Baylor, I mean, even if Shockland would plays, he's not 100%. Uh, Stidham, now they're down to their third quarterback, and a guy who, like you said, John, was, isn't even a quarterback this year. Um, you get Trayvon Boykin back. I know you don't have Dawson, but there's still some, a lot of talent on TCU. At home, a rally game, uh, you got your quarterback back. Baylor coming off that big win. It just feels to me like a TCU's moment here in the Big 12 to keep rattling it around and let the carnage continue and let them keep cannibalizing themselves. I'll take the Horn Frogs at home. You know, John, uh, let, let me also say briefly in this game, uh, I think these are two teams uh, that are dealing with injuries, as we've kind of talked about throughout uh, the positions on the field, specifically with, uh, the quarterbacks. I know Trayvon Boykin hasn't been entirely healthy this season either. Uh, I'm a big believer that both of these teams are products of the system. Yes, they have quality uh, talent, uh, but these are two uh, two coaches uh, that obviously can coach in Art Bryles and in Gary Patterson. Uh, I think schematically, regardless of who they put at these skill positions, they should be able to put up points in bunches. And I think you'll see uh, Joe Public you know, bet more on the under in this game simply because of the uncertainty at these positions. To me, I think that provides value from an over standpoint, and there may be some depending on where this line is posted. All right, the Saturday games. The Clemson Tigers go in to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. It's sad that this game isn't as close as as one would expect. Obviously, you're going to get South Carolina's best effort. Uh, I'm just not sure it's even close to good enough to compete with this Tiger team. 
they are far and away playing some of the best football in all of uh, the country. Don't get it twisted as far as teams like Alabama uh, making runs. Uh, this Clemson Tiger team is every bit as good as anybody else out there. Uh, and to me, I think this line, 17 and a half, looks cheap. I think Clemson rolls. Well, this is a Clemson team that struggled against Syracuse, and then we saw the Syracuse uh, coach get fired, respectively, after putting together a good effort against the number one team in the nation. All things being considered, though, South Carolina just lost to the Citadel. Uh, you really wonder where that program's going to go after the old ball coach. But I think Clemson will roll the Gamecocks. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina has basically hit rock bottom. <laughs> you just lost to Citadel. There's not much worse you can do than that. Um, will they rally a little bit because it's a rivalry game and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think for a quarter they might be able to hang in and keep it to seven-point game. But I'm with you, John. I expect this line to be closer to 24th and 17th. And uh, to get it at 17 and a half, I think it's a gift and get it now while it's hot. Uh, Clemson, I'm with you. Rolls. The game. The best rivalry, the best sports rivalry. The Ohio State Buckeyes go in and take on the team up north. Yeah, this is uh, – I'm not a Buckeye, so I can say this is Michigan week. Uh, so I'll make sure I get in plenty of those Michigans because you won't hear D or Jake say the word Michigan. Uh, in any I say Michigan. I don't, mind, I don't mind saying Michigan. <laughs> it's 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 too hard for me to to worry about. My mind doesn't work that way. I try to keep it to that during this week, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough to do sometimes to talk around that word. You, you know, a little a little behind the third curtain uh, for some of you guys. Uh, That's right. He is D is gracious enough for for both Jake and I to send out a little pre-prepped email with some of the games we're going to talk about. Uh, and specifically in this game, uh, it says Ohio State versus uh, TUN, uh, representing that school up north. Uh, he refuses to put Michigan in. Uh, I can't speak for him, but I know but I know his Buckeye passion. And you know what? Uh, I think this is a game uh, where, where the Buckeyes circle the wagon. Uh, to me, they, I think they, they certainly looked ahead, unfortunately. Um, but I think you're going to get Ohio State's best effort. I think you're going to see everything uh, come into this game. And they know that they need to win convincingly because if they don't, they're probably going to get overlooked for any chance at the playoff. So for me, uh, I can only look one way. It is Ohio State, and I'm getting a point and a half. I'll take it. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Buckeyes not favored in this game. Um you know, only only the active guy and weather could stop the Buckeye train from rolling through Ann Arbor uh, this week. The Buckeyes should be angry. They should be everything. But I haven't seen that team show up at all this year, so I really do not – I cannot count on that. Nothing but my true homerism will believe the Buckeyes will roll Michigan 100-0. to zero. Team up north. <laughs> oh, he did it. I missed it. Even... <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I agree. I, I think, I mean, you look at this game, it, even last week, if you would have put a line on it, I think this game's probably moved six or seven points 
over a one-week span. Holy overreaction. It was probably 14, 10 or 14 points uh, a month ago. So uh, for for this to be a point-and-a-half game and a pick game, I, I think the nation is overreacting to that performance against Sparty. It was atrocious, and they deserve the ridicule. But uh, I think we're going to see a team that is wounded and angry and well-coached, and uh, it, it, it could be a long day for uh, a team in Michigan that is, you know, getting better offensively, but it's still very limited in what they can do. Uh, I think a big key to this game, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, was is that you got they're going to have to stay disciplined, and and whether that's not jumping offside, whether that's keeping containment, whether that's not over pursuing, whether that's not allowing a wheel route to get down the sideline without a linebacker chasing them, um, all those things are going to go into it because that's going to be Michigan's game plan going forward. Uh, just do your job and, and stay disciplined, and and. At the same time, bring intensity. And uh, I think Ohio State is the better team at this point. It's time to go down south and uh, bring your (laughs) – bring the tiger tails and the elephant noses. It's the Iron Bowl. Alabama Crimson Tide goes in to take on the Auburn Tigers. You know, we've talked about this. Uh, numerous times uh, when it comes to Ohio State, uh, teams that have run straight at them, the LSUs and Arkansas of the world, uh, tend to struggle uh, against the South Alabama offense. The teams that are more in the spread uh, that like to kind of go east and west, so to speak, and use speed uh, tend to have more success. That being said, there's only one way you can look, and it's with Alabama. Uh, this is an Auburn team. Yes, they won 56-34 to 34 last week to Idaho, but they were actually out-yarded in that game uh, to the 3-8 and eight Idaho Vandals. Uh, this team is in all kinds of uh, – dealing with all kinds of problems right now. Uh, obviously, you're going to get Auburn's best effort, but I don't think it's enough. I think you're going to get a lot of Derrick Henry and uh, a lot of uh, running the football right at them. Uh, this game may stay close for a quarter or a quarter and a half, but uh, Alabama pulls away and pulls away big in the second half. Uh, I like the tide to roll uh, by three touchdowns or more. Maybe two of the worst quarterback play, uh, some of the worst quarterback play you'll see in college football around the country in this game between these two teams. Um, but I do agree, Derrick Henry, great talent. Uh, looks like the front runner for the Heisman now. And uh, you got an Auburn team where Les Miles is on his way out. Gus Miles on down there sipping drinks after every game, smoking cigars, and the guy's not winning anything. So, and the team looks awful. So, I did nothing makes sense in the world of college football this year. Uh, that that being said, I, I agree. I think the Crimson Tide went it. Yeah, and I'll make it the hat trick. I just don't see Auburn being able to move the ball and score with Alabama. Uh, I mean, Alabama's offense isn't exactly uh, Texas Tech, but it's much more competent than uh, or than Auburn's is, and uh, the the matchups just aren't good. Uh, I know teams that spread the ball around a little bit have some success. I, I think Auburn might be able to hang with them for in the, in the first half, but uh, I think in the second half you're just going to see the better athletes and the better team. 
uh, and the Bear coach team, for that matter, uh, take over and, and blow them out. Well, we go out for the Hollywood Shuffle. The UCLA Bruins go in to take on the USC Trojans. To to me, I find this game very interesting. Uh, this is a Trojan team that obviously has some bad losses, uh, and some of those losses being at home, losing to Stanford at home, uh, losing to Washington at home, obviously two games you can't forget. Uh, but this is a big rivalry, and you're going to get their best efforts. Right now, USC is only a three-point favorite, and to me that means that Vegas has these two teams power-rated evenly, and then obviously the three points of home field advantage come into play. I can't power-rate these two teams together. As much as I like Josh Rosen, I think USC is the better of these two teams, and if I can get the Trojans uh, maybe at two and a half, I'll have to get to the window and put that one in. I'm just going to think that the, if we talk about the quarterback play in this game, Cody Kessler versus Rosen. Uh, I'm not big on Rosen. I do think Cody Kessler and Schuster getting a little bit more healthier. I think that USC attack uh, comes up big, and you see the defense come up big. So I'd like USC to protect their house and beat the Bruins. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get disagreement here for me either. Uh, I think Cody Kessler, his last game against USC, or UCLA at home, uh, senior day, it, it's it's a big deal. And coming off the loss against Oregon, uh, you know, who I just don't think they matched up that great with in Oregon, pretty much a buzzsaw on what I expected them to be at the beginning of the year. Um, it, it, now we see it. And UCLA just seems like they're lost. They're a mess. They, they've lost their identity of just being tough and, and physical uh, I don't know if they can get back to it this week. I, I like the Trojans to get the win at home. And let's go to the Civil War. Oregon State versus the Oregon Ducks. D, I don't mean to be rude. There's nothing to talk about here. Uh, yeah, this is Oregon. a track I, no, I, I, no, <laughs> I only brought it up because... I, 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 sorry, I was, just trying to, I was just trying to put some salt on that steak. I apologize. Let me, <laughs> let me, do, that. Let me do that again. Um, yeah, D, this, this is a tough one to kind of really dive into deeply. Uh, with Oregon State, you're talking about the worst team in the Pac-12, and, and what it's looking like is Oregon's the best team. And maybe you couldn't have said that four or five weeks ago, but you can say it now. Vernon Adams has really kicked it into gear uh, and is showing what he can do. Uh, obviously, this game is at Outson Stadium. I think Oregon can kind of pick the score, whatever it is that they want. Uh, but to me, I think the best way to look at this game uh, would be under 68 and a half. I just don't see Oregon State scoring. Uh, maybe they get to 10 points, um, but then you got to get more than 58 from Oregon. I think they'll be more than content to win somewhere around that 40, uh, 45, 55 to 10, which would keep that game under 68 and a half. That's where I lean. Yeah, I realize the Rogers brothers aren't running out this tunnel for the Beavers, so uh, you know I'm not screaming upset here. I did want to bring this game up just because I love the Civil War. I love this game uh, at the end of the season for the Pac-12 and the Battle of Oregon. Uh, but wanted to say that the Ducks are playing some great football right now. Vernon Adams, five touchdowns last week. And uh, the Ducks need a little help, but uh, you never know what can happen. Uh, they might make their way back, throw their way into the Pac-12 championship. 
Yeah, you know, it actually gives me a chance to to mention what was Gary Anderson thinking? I mean, my God, he left one of the best jobs in the Big Ten, had a program going, uh, could have stayed there for 10 years if he wanted to and, and contended for Big Ten championships in that weak-ass division. Now he's got to go up to Corvallis and get his ass kicked every year. Forget about it. Take Oregon. But look what we're seeing now at Wisconsin. Maybe this guy knew what was coming as far as up the pipeline, so to speak, uh, in terms of Wisconsin talent, and thought, hey, maybe this is a good opportunity to give myself an extra year or two to kind of stock some talent uh, up there in Corvallis instead. Uh, Obviously, the Badgers have had one of their toughest years in uh, at least 10 years, in my uh, opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But there was just so much. uh, I mean, he left them at the altar, basically. And when you're bringing in a third system in four years, uh, that's tough on any of those players. So uh, it's still a premier program in the Big Ten. Uh, and to me, Oregon State's not even uh, a top two-thirds program in the Pac-12. Uh, so for me, I don't know why Gary Anderson would, would leave that. All right, let's not turn this into the Gary Anderson podcast. Uh, the Battle of Carolina, the U- U- North Carolina Tar Heels go in to take on the Wolfpack. You know, I bet this Wolf Pack team a handful of times this year, uh, and every time I do so, I always end up regretting it. Um, North Carolina had a chance to win that game at Virginia Tech in Frank Beamer's final game at home. They were up two touchdowns uh, with four minutes to go, and they blew that lead and uh, sadly blew the cover, uh, which cost me a few dollars, but that's okay. Uh, That provides some line value here this week. Uh, Right now, North Carolina only laying six and a half, I just can't trust Jacoby Brissett and this Wolfpack team. Uh, I'll go with the better team by far, giving North Carolina minus the six and a half. Yeah, I think North Carolina is going to have to finish this game and finish it early. Uh, Jacoby Brissett with the Wolfpack, I will tell you this right now, I would like to see him playing on Sundays and maybe whatever the rendition of these uniforms in brown and orange are. So uh, I like the guy a lot. I like the style, but uh, Marquise Williams and the Tar Heels will roll. And uh, shout out to Ricky Folson on that Tar Heel team. Yeah, I don't know. Be careful here if you're North Carolina. They played a really physical, tough game against Virginia Tech. Uh, they're looking ahead to their big shot at Clemson in the ACC championship. And while this North Carolina State team isn't exactly uh, a, a big-time scare team, They've got a competent quarterback, and any time you have that, uh, you, you have an opportunity to pull an upset. Uh, I, I'll take North Carolina, but I would not be shocked to see them fall this week. Well, get up early and get that hot tits, hot tits. Oh, not down there. Get up early and get ready for some Stark Vegas because it's the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss goes in to take on Mississippi State Bulldogs. You know, I looked at this game, and and I found this one to be interesting. Uh, Obviously, you've seen Mississippi State play some good football over the course of the last few weeks, Um, but this is a Rebel team that's starting to get into form. Uh, Right now, they have the Rebels as a one-point favorite 
Uh, and, and to me, I just think that's too low. Uh, I, I think this Ole Miss team is really starting to click. Uh, and unfortunately for Mississippi State, uh, losing to Alabama took the air out of their tires, so to speak, uh, in terms of having a chance uh, at that uh, SEC West Championship. To me, you got got to look one direction, and that is with the Rebels. Um, Dak Prescott is still there for the Bulldogs, and they found a way to win last week. Um, Chad Kelly did the same thing for the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, maybe the two best quarterbacks in the SEC, which is hard to find a good quarterback down there in that conference, uh, I'm going to with the Bulldogs at home and Dak Prescott. Yeah, Dak had a huge game last week. Uh, And this Mississippi team is such a Jekyll and Hyde team, it seems. But I think they have the better playmakers. Between Fredwell and Ndiche and Kelly, I I just feel like they don't rely on one single player as much as Mississippi State does on Dak Prescott. Uh, If the Landsharks can get after him a little bit and limit him, uh, I think Mississippi ends up winning this game. I like the direction they're going at the moment. Well, you got to go down the dead fish aisle for this game. The Florida Gators go in to take on the Florida State Seminoles. This game has a lot of ins and outs for me uh, just because that Florida defense is so good. Um, but, you know, honestly, this is a Florida team that could barely get by Florida Atlanta last week. Uh, they won by a couple points at home against Vanderbilt. Uh, not showing their best football here at the end of the season, uh, and that's something that's got to be a major concern uh, as they go forward. Uh, surprising that Florida State is a two-point favorite in this game. Uh, to me, I see this being pretty low-scoring. Uh, 43.5 is the current line. Uh, I'd like it a lot more laying uh, under at around 44, 45 if possible. Um, But really, I I can't look either direction. I'm just not sure. Uh, I guess my lean, though, is under, especially if I can get an extra point or two. Well, McElvain has completely, you know, confounded us more than even Ohio State's offense from going away from Taylor and running the ball. That offense can't move the ball, can't score, um, and they struggle with the FAU team. I know it's another Florida team. Uh, Florida State's way better than that. They got better athletes, and they got one of the best players in the country, Dalvin Cook. I like the Florida State Seminoles. They're all big over the Gators. Yeah, I, I kind of like Florida State in this one, too. I don't know if big for me. I just think uh, Florida's defense is uh, very confident and very good, if not maybe the best in the country at the moment. But I, I, Dalvin Cook and I think a lot of the Florida State speed is going to be a key in this. And if whoever's a quarterback for Florida State can make enough plays, uh, I think all you got to do is score 21 points, and Florida's going to have a hard time beating so uh, I'm going to take Florida State to score at least 21 points. All right. Well, this one is after Thanksgiving, and it's among the Christmas trees. The big game that we all can agree upon, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish go to Palo Alto to take on the Stanford Cardinals. I think I think the wrong team's favored, D. Uh, right now Stanford is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Uh, and to me, I think Notre Dame wins the football game. Uh, 
teams that have thrown the football more than passed have had more success against this Irish team. Uh, I think the Irish are very stout up front uh, and should actually be uh, one uh, of the few teams in the country that will give Stanford a run for their money in the trenches. Uh, And that plays into having Kevin Hogan beat you. Uh, And I think when you've seen that in the past, it hasn't been there. Uh, So to me, Notre Dame knows they need to win to keep things alive. Uh, I think they win this game. The fact that I'm getting three and a half points is a bonus. Well, I mean, Notre Dame suffers another terrible loss at running back uh, injuries and it's, you know, five turnovers at Boston College. You wonder how far this team can go. Um, if Boston College would have had an offense, they probably would have lost that game in Fenway. I, I think about this Stanford team, and you talk about Kevin Hogan beating you. Well, he can beat you with short passes to maybe the most dynamic player in college football, and that's McCaffrey. And I think that's going to be the key to this game. McCaffrey, Love, Awusu, uh, Kevin Hogan, I like the Stanford offense, and I like the defense to do just enough to be able to turn the Notre Dame fighting Irish over. This game being played out in California, Notre Dame having to make that trip over there, I think that also is a factor. They have not been good on the road this year. So uh, I like Stanford big here. Yeah, you know what? I I feel like you're right about the the point spread in this one, John. And I, even looking at Las Vegas Hilton, uh, the Westgate now, they're they're at minus four. And that means you could buy it up to minus four and a half and get into those dead numbers. Uh, you got to like getting those kind of points. I, I really think it's a coin flip. And the big key to me, like you said, D is McCaffrey, but with Notre Dame and the way that the defense can play in space at times. I wonder if they can if they can shadow and take away McCaffrey and make Hogan beat you. Uh, that seems like a pretty good game plan to me. Definitely the loss at running back is huge for Notre Dame now. Uh, they're just all sorts of beat up. So that's my apprehension towards Notre Dame. Uh, I, I think it's a close game. I think it's a field goal game, and I'll take Stanford in the in, in, uh, I guess not the upset, which should probably be an upset. Yeah, Stanford's more than just McCaffrey, though. They got Hooper at tight end. They got Rector on the outside. I mean, Kevin Hogan, when he gets going, I mean, he can slice up the best of them. So I just take the better quarterback and the more experienced quarterback than Kevin Hogan over Kaiser. Are we doing anything for in the book, gentlemen, or are we going to wrap it up? I've got some if you want them. All right. Yeah, go ahead. We go in the book with Jake and John. Yeah, welcome inside the book. It's early in the week, so point spreads just came out. Uh, John, you uh, perused the the lines, and you came up with a couple. What do you got for us? You know, a a handful of lines, Jake, that, as you mentioned, uh, are kind of fresh uh, in the minds of sports bettors. Uh, We're taping this, obviously, before the holiday. Uh, So if these lines are uh, a little out of whack by the time you guys hear the podcast, I apologize. Uh, But a few that jump out to me. Uh, First one, Minnesota uh, getting up two and a half points. Maybe could get to three this week. Want to keep my eye out for that one. Uh, I don't think the right team is favored here. Uh, As we talked about uh, in the college football podcast, uh, this is a uh, Badger team that is really having its troubles. Uh, and they have to go into Minnesota in a rivalry game. Uh, Tracy Claves trying to keep this this uh, Golden Gopher team uh, in the right direction. I, I think they get there. And to me, I think they win this game. Uh, 
uh, the fact that I'm getting points uh, is a perfect opportunity. Um, going forward, the next couple of games uh, are all teams that I'm ultimately looking at and thinking what teams are improving on this season uh, because at the end of the year you want to look for teams that maybe weren't power rated where they are now. Sometimes the books don't catch up uh, and post lines based on where teams are playing now as opposed to where they were playing a few weeks ago. Uh, one team that jumps out to me right off the bat uh, is Nevada. And, and to me, I think this is a Wolfpack, Wolfpack team that has improved by leaps and bounds, uh, playing teams tight uh, week after week, getting 18 points at San Diego State. And, yes, this is an Aztec team that has had some tremendous success over the last few weeks. Uh, they rolled at UNLV. Uh, but as we know, with the run and Rebs, this is a team that uh, maybe doesn't have the depth that other teams do. Uh, and when you have an Aztec team uh, as big and stocky as they are, they, they pushed around the Rebels uh, and it got away from them late. I don't think they do that to Nevada this week. Um, and I think Nevada ultimately loses the game, but certainly keeps it up uh, inside of 18 points. Uh, another team going in the right direction. How about the Tulsa Golden Hurricane? Uh, yes, they lost last week, but they lost competitively. You know, this is this is a team that goes into Tulane uh, who's been dead nuts awful all year long, not the kind of school that uh, is going to draw any kind of fans over the course of the holiday weekend. Uh, if anything, the stadium should be empty, uh, leaving there to be little to no point spread value uh, from a home field standpoint, and you're laying less than a touchdown. Uh, so I'll take Tulsa minus six and a half points. I think they win this game rather convincingly. Uh, Vanderbilt, 16 and a half points. I know they have to play at Rocky Top. Uh, and Tennessee's got a good offense. Uh, but this is a Vanderbilt team that maybe has one of the top ten defenses in the country. Uh, and you love getting great defenses and 16 and a half points. Sure, you wonder how many points they're going to score against Tennessee. Uh, but to me, getting 16 and a half with that kind of defense is deal. Uh, and then lastly, another team that continues to play good football as the season goes along, uh, the Iowa State Cyclones, uh, getting 14 points at West Virginia. Uh, obviously, this has been a tough year for the Mountaineers uh, as far as playing competitive football in the Big 12. Uh, and yes, this is a little bit of a reprieve at home, uh, but I think the odds makers set this one a little bit too high. I personally see this game more in the range of 8 to 10 points, not so much 14. Uh, and when you're getting two touchdowns and maybe four, four and a half, five points of value, you have to look in that direction. So, again, five different plays. Hopefully we hit three, make a little bit of profit. Anything more than that would obviously be a great bonus. Uh, look for Minnesota plus three, Nevada plus 18. I'll give you a favorite, Tulsa minus six and a half, Vanderbilt. Uh, plus 16 and a half in Iowa, plus 14. Uh, fade or follow. Good luck. All right, John. Good work, as always. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll give you two, two dogs, but we're taking them straight money line. Nebraska takes down Iowa, and the Ohio State University beats that team up north. Talk to you next week for another edition, a championship edition of In the Book. Keep casting, guys. And we are joined by West Coast aficionado John Costas. John, will you give us an intro, please? 
DJ, it's always great to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me again. Uh, a very happy Thanksgiving to all of our uh, podcast listeners. Very thankful that you all tuned in this week to listen to us talk about football. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cleveland Cause. Uh, I love talking college football and I love getting into it uh, with everybody uh, in the Twitter world. Give me a holler. Yeah, you can throw the podcast on while you're waiting for that turkey to be done and get all the information for the college football week that is. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, enjoy your Thanksgiving and Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of college football action. Anything else you guys want to get in there? Yeah, we got. That. We didn't. We didn't hit Oklahoma and uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, okay. Oklahoma going to Oklahoma State, right? Yeah, Bethel. Yeah. Yes, at Oak. Yeah, yeah. The Boomer Sooner wagon rolls into Stillwater. The Oklahoma Sooners go in to play the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I'm going to let you guys go first. When I look at this game, Oklahoma State Cowboys coming off of the loss to Baylor, uh, trying to protect their home house at home. Baker Bayfield, you worry about his health going into this game. If he can't go, I like Oklahoma State here for the upset. Yeah, to me, I, I have to look one direction, and that's the Sooner team that continues to impress. And it always seems like the Cowboys give the Sooners difficulties. But this is an interesting situation. Uh, this was a Cowboy team that was undefeated, obviously losing last week to Baylor, uh, maybe looking ahead to this one. Uh, but to me, I've got to believe that maybe, just maybe, the wind is out of their sails. Uh, and this is a Sooner team that knows, hey, with a win this week, uh, now they've got wins over Oklahoma State, over TCU, uh, and now over Baylor, uh, which ultimately gives them the thumbs up in the eyes uh, of the selection committee. Uh, they know they need to win, and they know they need to win big. To me, I like Oklahoma minus the three and a half. Yeah, and I think you hit it on the head there. I, I think they got punched in the gut, and I don't know if they can get back up off the canvas for this one. Uh, the one thing that scares me, though, about Oklahoma now is they couldn't move the ball with Baker Mayfield out of the game. Uh, so if he goes down again at any point in this game, I have zero confidence in Oklahoma at that point. Um, but it looks like he's going to be ready to go. And the guy to me right now is the Heisman front runner. Um, and I, I think they know this is their last shot to, to impress people, to impress pollsters, to solidify a shot in the, in the top four for the national championship. And I think they get it done. Uh, I Like you said, I think Oklahoma's been overrated all year. Uh, it finally caught up to them. And, and now that they have lost, uh, I just I don't think that they have the opportunity to get in, even with a win at Oklahoma. And I think they know it at some level. Well, I mean, I guess they have the opportunity to get in if a lot of things happen. But if things stay the same, then I, I think they would be still on the outside. I mean, you sound like they're going to go still down at still water. That's a bad joke. You sound like they're going to take a dive there at still water. The folks go down. I, I just don't 
trust them right now. I, I think that Oklahoma will be fired up and ready to go and have everything to play for. Uh, Big game, Bob. Uh, Bob Bowlesby is happy with that prediction. Who's that commissioner? Oh, she's going to have a championship there. All right, it's getting punchy. It's getting punchy here, gentlemen. Uh, anything else? <laughs> no, now I'm ready to go. Now I'm done. No, I'm done. All right, Donna. All right, we'll give it up. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Until next week. All right, sounds good, man. Same to you. Thank, thank you, gentlemen. Enjoy your holiday. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. You too, John. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.